Remind you again of picking up a bulletin and again remind all of our men of our men's breakfast this Saturday morning at 8 a.m. If you've not already signed one of the lists uh, in the foyer, we'd like to encourage you to do so. I hope that you have your Bibles with you tonight because um, actually I was thinking if you have your Bibles, it'll be a little bit easier uh, than if you are using a device. But if you're using a device, we are going to look at several different scriptures tonight. And so if you can move through that device quickly then uh, hopefully that will be helpful for you. But if not, um, if you'll open up your uh, printed Bible, if you have it. If not, there's some on the back of the pew uh, in front of you. Tonight we're going to be thinking about unity. And and that's why I want us to have our Bibles or have our devices ready to turn to several Scriptures because we're going to look at several Scriptures as it relates to unity in the body. Have you ever seen the Peanuts cartoons? There was one with Lucy and Linus. Lucy came in and demanded that Linus change the TV channel. And she was threatening him with her fist. And Linus says, what makes you think you can walk right in here and take over? Lucy said, these five fingers. Individually, they're nothing but curled up together like this into a single unit. They form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Linus said, which channel do you want? And then turning away, he looks at his fingers and he says, why can't you guys get organized like that? Well, that may not, that's likely not the kind of unity that we're going to be talking about as it relates to Scripture and our unity in the church and our unity in Christ. But unity can be and is a good thing. I want you to notice what uh, the writer says in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. We'll begin in verse 16. As for you, son of man, take a stick for yourself and write on it. For Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions. Then take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim. And for all the house of Israel, his companions. Then join them to one another for yourself into one stick. And they will be, become one in your hand. And when the children of your people speak to you, saying, Will you not show us what you mean by these? Say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel, his companions, and I will join them with it, with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they will be one in my hand. And the sticks on which you write will be in your hand before your eyes. Then say to them, Thus says the Lord, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone, and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land, on the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be king over them all. They shall no longer be two nor shall they ever be divided into two kingdoms. This morning we mentioned the Pledge of Allegiance. And I want us to notice that Pledge of Allegiance again as it relates to unity. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. 
You see, united means that we come together. And that word indivisible means not divided. In fact, some say that it means incapable of being divided. One fellow said this of the United States of America, The Pledge of Allegiance and the American flag are more than just physical symbols to us. They lie in the hearts and souls of all Americans the world over. As long as this simple idea of freedom remains in just one person, America will stand united. If you think about the definition of unity... If you look in the Hebrew, the Hebrew definition means unitedness. The Greek meaning is that of oneness. Those things, two things coming together. And we all know that the opposite of unity is division. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of John chapter 17. John chapter 17, and I want you to notice verses 20. And 21, that Jesus prayed for unity among His people. Jesus prayed for the oneness and togetherness of His people. John chapter 17, verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in Me through their word, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in Me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me. Paul writes to us, we, we talked about this morning, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3. In Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 19, the Bible tells us that God hates division. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 30, the Bible writes about the elders at Ephesus. They were warned against division. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 18 and 19. The church at Corinth, were, they were warned against division. So we see all these scriptures about unity and all these warnings about division. We see then that God thinks unity is important. We looked at this this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Notice what Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but you be able to be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. It's almost as if Paul is reminding them, look, it takes some effort on your part as well. Yes, and we'll notice in a minute, we are united in Christ. But it also takes some effort on our part to speak the same things, uh, to be joined together. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3, one page over. For you are still carnal. What's carnal? Fleshly, worldly. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? See, that's what the world does. We see divisions in the world, but as we looked at this morning, we also see some people trying to come together and unify with all things coming together. And as we mentioned, God gives us a choice to follow Him or to follow the world. Romans chapter 16. Turn there if you will. To the book of Romans.
Romans chapter 16 and verses 17 and 18. Paul writes, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions. Note. He says, take note of those who cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Paul says, avoid those who cause division. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 25, the Bible says, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. And folks, if we're going to stand in this world, and we're going to stand against the devil and his ways, we must be united. Well, I want us to notice some ways that we can be divide, uh, be united and, and not divided. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul reminds us that we are united in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. Paul says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive. God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Verses 21 and 22 of that same chapter. In whom the whole building, being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also were being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. When we are united, Paul talks about in the book of Corinthians that God dwells in His people. And Paul writes to the Ephesians, we are being built together, fitted together, growing into the holy temple of the Lord and where the Lord dwells. John chapter 15. Turn to John chapter 15 if you will. Did you realize there were so many verses in Scripture about unity and to avoid division. Many, many verses. John chapter 15, Jesus says in verse 4, Abide in Me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in the vine. That's unity. That's connection. That, that's being joined together. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And so when we abide in Jesus Christ, and when we are united in Jesus Christ, then we can bear fruit. It's important that we remember we're united in Jesus Christ. Notice how we are also united with one another. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, the Bible says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. 
Prove yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Notice in the Old Testament book of Psalms, Psalm 133. Psalm 133, we'll look at verses 1 through 3. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is. Listen to it. For brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessings, life forevermore. How pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Turn to the book of Acts. When we see the beginning of the church there on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, the believers... They were united together. Look at verses 42 through 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need so continuing daily with one accord that's unity in the temple and breaking bread from house to house to house they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved Turn your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Notice verses 12 and following. This is probably one of the key, key outside of Ephesians 4 passages on unity. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 and following. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. And if, we, if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Verse 25, that there should be, why is there one body? Here's one reason, that there should be no schism, no division 
in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. A beautiful sight when we are united in Jesus Christ and when we are united with one another. Romans chapter 16. Turn there if you will. Romans chapter 16. And notice what Paul says. Verses 17 and 18. Well, that's, we've, we've looked at that again. To note, to note those who cause division among you. So several passages of Scripture on unity. Uh, unity in Christ. Unity in one, one another. And be aware and note those who cause division among you. One fellow said, All your strength is in your union. All your danger is in discord. Just like when a man and a woman come together. They're united as one. The Bible says the two become one. Mark chapter 10 and verse 9. Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate, he says. In other words, what God has united, let not man divide. We can see this on our ball teams. We can see a ball team that can be very talented, but when they're not united and they're not pulling together for one cause, then they're divided, they can't work together, and they do not do as well. Just like a husband and wife, if they're divided, then, then it's very difficult for them to make that marriage work. Correct? And likewise, if a congregation is divided, how can they win souls for Almighty God? And then finally tonight, turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll notice that Paul reminds us that we are to be united in the things that we teach. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and following. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring, working to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. He said, one God, unity of worship. Remember John chapter 4 and verse 24? Jesus said that they that worship, God seeks the true worshipers. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. He says, one spirit, the inspiration of God, gives us the Scripture. One Lord, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. One faith, unity of belief. The Hebrew writer talks about faith in Hebrews chapter 11. For without faith it's impossible to please God. One baptism, that unity of practice and action. One body, unity of organization, working together for the cause of Christ. And one hope, the unity of working toward the goal of heaven. Turn over, if you will, to... Ephesians chapter 4, and I want you to notice verses 11 through 16. And He Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, 
some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ. And notice verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You know, there's a lot of books written about growth and church growth. But I don't believe any book could really say no more than what Paul just said in Ephesians 4 and verse 16. That when every part, that part Paul speaks about in 1 Corinthians 12, every part working together, being unified in Christ, does what? Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself. In love. Growth comes when we work to do our part, to work together for the edifying of the church in love. During World War II, Hitler commanded that all religious groups to unite so that he could control them. Among the brethren assemblies, half complied and half refused. Those who went along with the order had a much easier time. Those who did not faced harsh persecution. In almost every family of those who resisted, someone died in a concentration camp. When the war was over, feelings of bitterness ran deep between the groups and there was much tension between them. Finally, they decided that the situation had to be healed. Leaders from each group met at a quiet retreat. For several days, each person spent time in prayer, examining his own heart in the light of Christ's commands. Then they came together. Francis Schaeffer, who told of the incident, asked a friend who was there, What did you do then? This is what they said. We were just one, he replied. As they confessed their hostility and bitterness to God and yielded to His control, God created a spirit of unity among them. Love then filled their hearts and dissolved their hatred. You know, I think about that story of the Good Samaritan. What was the point Jesus was trying to get across to them? similar to this story, time in prayer and examining of our own hearts in light of God's Word. You see, the Jews, they did not like the Samaritans. And the Samaritans, they did not like the Jews. 
But a Jewish person, a, a, a person, uh, the Good Samaritan, or, or the, the Jewish person on his way to, to Jerusalem to worship, falls among robbers. And along comes a priest. Who should be the one helping? Those of God's people. Along comes a Levite. And he passes by on the other side. And then Jesus adds in, along comes a good Samaritan. One who was very unlikely to be the one to help. And that was the one that helped. Paul says if you want to grow, everybody doing their part, being unified in Christ, working together, and this causes growth and edification in the body. Tonight, if you're not a child of God, it's our plea. It is our plea. Everyone that is here, it is our plea that you join us being unified in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you? He did. He stretched out His hands. He stretched out His arms, suspended between heaven and earth. And He said, I love you. And I'm giving my life for you. I'm taking your place on this cross. So that through faith and obedience... And as we read in the book of Acts, being buried with Christ in the watery graves of baptism, to die to that old self, to rise in newness of life, to go on our way rejoicing because we are new, because we are united with Jesus Christ. You can do that tonight. Maybe it is, just like Miss Jeanette this morning, you're here tonight and you need the prayers of your church family. We can do that. We can help you. We can pray with you. We can pray for you. Asking God to forgive you. Asking God to strengthen you. If you need to respond, don't wait another moment. But come forward and let us assist you any way we can. As together we stand and sing.
but to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at His feet, or we'll walk by His side in the say again this is an excellent crowd thank you so much for being here tonight and encouraging one another and I want to encourage you to continue to visit as you always do it's a wonderful sight when we see each other visiting together I do want I do want to remind us to continue to remember uh, sister Jeanette in our prayers but also don't forget to pray for sister Sharon who will be going for tests tomorrow and also Danny Danny mentioned to me tonight they're going to be leaving early in the morning so we will pray for safe travel and and great news from those results. Thank you. If you are unable to take the Lord's Supper this morning, it's prepared in the classroom over to the left side of our building. Uh, we're going to sing the first verse of I'll Be Listening and then be dismissed in prayer. If you need to take the Lord's Supper, you may exit at this time. Let's sing together. When the Savior calls, I will answer. When He calls for me, I will hear. When the Savior calls, I will answer. I'll be somewhere listening for 